Hey, think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whatever your sport, Sports Interaction has you covered pregame. Live betting on all major sports and, of course, prop bets. Who doesn't love those? Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. This is Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Welcome to another episode of Agent Provocateur. If you don't know by now, I'm Alan Walsh here with Adam Wild. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Alan. I'm struggling with my internet today and I'm a little frustrated at the moment, but other than that, I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, well, it's been uh, raining since I got off the plane uh, from Halifax, and it's not just raining up and down, it's raining sideways. Wow. And like I've said before, Anybody who lives in Southern California complains about the weather is a real asshole. But, uh, you know, it's getting old. It's getting old. I used to listen to a, a morning show on K-Rock out there called Kevin and Bean. And they would make fun of, every single time it rained, all the the paranoid reporting from all the TV morning shows like KTLA and all the other TV morning shows running out and having a reporter in the rain. It's raining. Oh, my God. But when it rains for a few days, it becomes like a real problem, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it sure does in Southern California. Yeah. 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 We'll hear a couple of sirens uh, in the next hour. I'm convinced of it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm apologizing in advance. Why don't we get to our special guest this week? Let's do that. Um, Let's do that. Do you have his resume in front of you, sir? Well, uh, if anybody has watched a hockey game on literally any network that broadcasts hockey in the last uh, 20 years, you've seen our next guest and you've heard him call the game as a play-by-play announcer. Uh, He is the lead play-by-play for TSN, uh, doing hockey regional now, Toronto and Ottawa, and also the World Junior Championships. Gord, I think your first one was in 1994, if I'm not mistaken. So you've been doing it for quite a while. Um, Recently, uh, our guest has been involved uh, in a remarkable project, bringing a Ukrainian hockey team over uh, to Canada to play some hockey games. And we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, It's an incredible initiative, and uh, it's, it's a crazy story about the logistics in getting the team out of Ukraine and over to North America. Let's give a warm welcome to Gord Miller. Thank you. Nice to be here. (laughs) How are you, Gord? I'm very well. I just got back from Winnipeg a few minutes ago, so I'm good. I'm 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 hawking merch. I'm hawking merchandise. Hockey can't stop with the Ukrainian flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gord, how long have we known each other? We met on Christmas Day, 1998. And how could you remember that specific day of all the days of the year? (laughs) Because I was having dinner with a sullen and surly Bob McKenzie (laughs) on on Christmas Day. at what was then the Weston in Winnipeg. It's now the Fairmont. And so the two of us were having Christmas dinner in the hotel lounge. Bob's family wasn't there. He was sour. And so um, this rather bubbly person came to our table and said, hey, guys, I'm a new agent. 
And uh, I've got this 16-year-old Slovak client who's going to blow you away. And, uh, well, yeah. So he walks away and gives me his card. And Bob said, to him, 16-year-old, get out of here. That, not actually what he said, but in that sort of vein. Two nights later in Brandon, Manitoba, Marion Gabarik had like five breakaways. And Roberto Luongo stands in his head in a 0-0 tie with Slovakia. Way through the second period, Bob said to me, hey, do you have an agent's card? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was Alan. <laughs> so that's that's actually how we met. And uh, and, and quite funny because, um, you know, I mean, Alan had a lot of expertise on, especially in those days, Czechs and Slovaks. A lot of clients were Czechs and Slovaks. And so if you wanted to know about them, about them and what was going on there, you would call Alan. But the, the other funny part was another sometimes surly gentleman, Ray Ferraro, uh, <laughs> started sparring with Alan on, on Twitter. Uh, this would be like, this would be 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, Ray, and, hate, so, Ray hated me at the time. He absolutely oh, hated me. And, oh. and, and it, was, it was brutal. So, so now <laughs> Ray starts doing the World Junior. So it's like Christmas time 2011. And so we call all the players' agents and their junior teams and their NHL teams to get some background. And I said, uh, so I had the list. I said, okay, we're going to call Alan Walsh. And he goes, yeah, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> I said, well, I said, well, we got we got to because if you want to know about the Czechs, Slovaks, and a lot of Canadians and Americans, you got to talk to Walsh. I don't want to talk to him. I don't like him. I don't want to talk to him. I said, up to you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so so uh, he said, I'll sit here. So we call Alan on my speakerphone, and I'm like, hey, Alan, it's Gordon. Ray Ferraro's here listening. <laughs> Alan, oh. <laughs> and, 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 and Ray, and then Ray comes back with a, with a minus five degrees Celsius. Alan. <laughs> so like, <laughs> wow. So within 30 minutes, they're best buddies. They're laughing. They're They're like, and they became inseparable at the World Junior. They're like, like pals talking, having dinner, and I'm and it, it, it actually got nauseating. <laughs> like, like, on, on the calls, I'd be like, "Can we talk about the players now instead of you two yucking it up all the time?" <laughs> so, so I, I think I think it demonstrates to be to be to be perfectly modest my incredible peacemaking skills. No to, kidding. Um, to bridge yes. these to bridge these divides, I think is is a testament not to them but to me. Because you know I'm a TV person, it's always about me. So, uh, so, but that, yeah. So that's how that's how I got to know Alan, and and so, uh, and I think that um, you know it started with his expertise, obviously in Eastern Europe. And at that time, you know, that's only that's five years after the the split of the Czechs and Slovaks, which happened in the middle of a World Junior. Right. That, that happened on January first, two thousand three, or sorry, nineteen ninety three. Sorry, and. And so those guys woke up. They went to bed as Czechoslovakia and woke up as the Czechs and Slovaks and finished the tournament as the Czechs and Slovaks. But they were in, they were living in different countries. Wow. So, cool. so so five years later, I mean, you know, the the fallout from that. And Alan spent a lot of time there, so he was kind of the go to guy on on what was going on over there. Yeah, I, I around um, uh, this time. Uh, looking back, uh, I was going over there, I don't know, 
five, six times a year for years. Um, mm -hmm. I recently calculated that I've probably been over there over 70 times. Yeah, so, and the amazing th and the amazing thing about it is that you'd think that someone who'd been there that much could pronounce the names properly. <laughs> but the one thing you don't do with Helen is ask him how to say a guy's name because he has no idea. No, and what's funny yeah. is, is like you're such a stickler for needing the correct pronunciation, and I, I I I call guys what, what it what it looks like it's spelled, and they <laughs> nobody ever corrects me, and that's what everybody you know calls. Like I'll give you an example in Hamilton, Jan Yannick, client for several years now. Everybody there called him Jan. And it got to the point where every once in a while I would slip and call him Jan and it's Jan and it, just go with the flow, man. Just go with the flow. That's that's oh, what you Mike can do, Gord, right? You can just go with the flow on a on a World Juniors. We'll, just, we'll just make it up. So. So, yeah, Michael Froelich was one of my favorites early on. It's Froelich. Really? Bobby Froelich. Wouldn't it be Froelich? No, it's Froelich. <laughs> Really? Okay. No, it's not. No, now the, the the funny thing is that people say to me all the time, you know, how do you get those names right on the World Junior? And I always say, you don't know those players. How do you know I'm right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're really relying on you, honestly. You're, you're, you are, you are like, you're like, you know what it's like? You're like a taxi in like some far off country and I'm your driver. Like you have no idea where you're going. And you have to trust that I'm not taking you on some kind of crazy ride. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How do you do that, by the way? Because, you know, there's so many exciting moments. And like, I know we make fun and that sort of thing. But, you know, there are guys that make it in the NHL and are here two or three years and we're still struggling with their pronunciation. How do you do it in a couple of weeks? So the language is evolving. And, and certainly we are more in tune now with saying things properly. But, you know, we don't say Roma. We don't say Praha. We don't say München. We say Rome, Prague, Munich. We don't say Paris. So there are differences, but we, whenever possible, we try to say the name as close as possible. So uh, Yuri Kulik from the from the Czech team. Um, it, we don't say ich in in English. So I C H in Czech is like ich. Not quite that hard, but so we, we cheat it, but. We try to say the names the best we can. What's interesting is that had he come over later, we, we've said Tebu Solani's name wrong for 30 years. It's it's selling it. Is it? Yeah. In in Finnish, the first syllable is always accented. If you want to, if you want, so, so what you do is over time, you learn the linguistic sort of rules. So in, you know, for example, in English, T-I-O-N is shun, right? Like yeah. location. So, um, in Finnish, the first syllable is always emphasized, and you pronounce every letter. You, you pronounce, so like H I E is he, like you you don't say he, it, it, you say every you say every letter. So yeah, he, he's Tebu Selene in in Finland. Um, Peter Forsberg in Swedish is actually Fosberg. Wow, but we don't we don't go that far. Wow. 
I'm, you see wow. what I've been doing? What I've been doing is right all along. Yeah. Okay. So so when Alan says <laughs> you David were wrong Yurchak, on Pro League, you were you were even close on Pro League, pal. You're not even close. So David Juracek is defenseman of the tournament at the World Juniors this year. Is Alan saying it right? And or did we do an entire interview, Gord, with him last year pre-draft and pronounce his name wrong the the entire time? We did. Yeah. Now, if you really want to say it like a check, okay, it would be Yita check. Like you kind of you, you kind of roll that R a little bit. Now we don't okay. roll ours. Um, you know, for example, like the same with Joshua Wa for Canada. In French, it's Roi. Right. You roll that R. Um, Mario Lemieux is actually Lemieux in French. Right. Right. So, um, but we, we try as best we can. The, the frustrating thing is, especially European guys, when you ask them how to say their name, always say, I don't care. Because they don't mm. want to cause a fuss or they get tired of correcting people. Like, it's just annoying to correct people. So, I, I say to them, and one of the good things that, that I've worked on with the IHF over, over the last few years is to get the uh, the team manager or the PR person to do a recording of the names. Okay. So we have an audio recording of the roster, and we can do it that way. Now you get into things like the uh, the Buffalo first rounder for Sweden, who you would call Isaac Rosen, is Isak Rosea. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Thomas, Thomas Steen was actually Steyn, Steyn in Swedish. Wow. So there's okay. a, no, so, so Adam, it's, it's a whole, like it's a real Pandora's box of, of, you know, and, and the other one is, you know, Italian names in English. Mm-hmm. So I, I get emails all the time when, when uh, Andrew Cogliano played in his first world junior, people were screaming at me via email. Like it's Cogliano, you idiot. And I'm like, <laughs> Talk to his dad, Carm, who I know because because Andrew played with Mike McKenzie, Bob's son at St. Mike's. Talk to Carm. He says Cogliano. You cannot say your own name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you you actually, you actually can't. Like, <laughs> like, if, you want, if, yeah. you want, if, if you want to be Adam Wilda, you're Wilda, man. Like, well, I, like I'm not gonna, right. You know, like I'm not. Will it make me it. sound a little bit more worldly and cultured? Do you think? <laughs> I, I think you're fighting a losing battle on that front. But yeah, sure, okay, go, fair go, enough. Go for it. But I but can, no, I, I can so, just so see how Italian Alan was, wouldn't have time for that. And and I, lo- I love and respect you for that, Alan. I mean that with yeah, – <laughs> I don't have yeah, time and, for that. Whatever. He's great. Watch him play. Yeah, and, and so Cody Cece, right? Yeah. That's that's Chichi in Italian. So, so I get all these, you know, Italians all the time sending angry notes to, to TSN audience relations saying, you know, Tell that idiot he's saying it wrong. Like, talk to his grandfather. Because love that. So, however you say your name, like so, Ilya Samsonov in Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's Samsonov in, in Russian. In Russian, the, the middle syllable is accented. So, actually, Sergei Fedorov is Fedorov, but that that ship kind of sailed. But <laughs> but he was he was Samsonov in 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 uh, Washington. He came here and the Leafs do a pronunciation guide where the players say their own name. And he said, Samson. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fair enough. I think there was a Leaf player and I, Alan, I don't think he was one of your clients, but there was a Leaf player. Uh, I think he was playing for the Marlies though, who they, they spelled his name incorrectly. And yeah. it gave, I think it was like, it was it Andreas Janssen. It was what? Was Andreas extra, Janssen. Yeah. It was like an extra was S. Amazing. 
that they didn't have. And he was like, I just didn't want to correct them. Didn't matter. Because <laughs> you, you don't want, because you, when you're, especially when you're a kid and a European kid, you don't go, Hey, Hey, you're wrong about that. Now right. you should, you should stand up for your name and, and no one would be offended. No. Right. But like no. Timothy Liljegren, his name is Liljegren, not Liljegren. And he prefers it when you say Liljegren. Now it's harder to say that way, but aren't you guys glad you asked this? Oh yeah, this is great. I'm fascinated. <laughs> Gord, Gord, let me ask you. Uh, there's lots of different um, elements to broadcasting games. What attracted you to play-by-play? -play? Um, kind of thrust into it. Um, it, it. I started TSN on September the fourth, September fourteenth, nineteen ninety, and I was I was sent to do an NBA game an NBA preseason game in Toronto before the Raptors got here. Um, wow. and, and I literally, I showed up to do play-by-play -play of the NBA game. And the producer said, have you ever done an NBA game before? I said, I've never been to an NBA game before. <laughs> 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 so, so um, I, I, what I like about it is, you know what? It's, I'm a perfectionist, um, but I, I do have that, an element of that to me. And if you're a perfectionist, it's perfect because you can't be perfect. You'll never, you'll never be perfect. So you have to accept that you do the best job you can for the three hours and then it's over. Like, like it's not like writing an essay where, where you can stay up all night tinkering with it until it's right. With, with play by play, you don't have to stay till it's right. Like the game ends in three hours, whether you did a good job or not. And right. you just have to kind of look, you have to learn from it and, you know, in a sense, park it when you make a mistake you know, but learn from that and then move on to the next one and, and don't let a bad game turn into a bad week, turn into a bad month. So that's part of what appeals to me about it is just that sort of, you get, you do the game, you don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen next. And, and you do the best you can, but then it's over. Hmm. And so that, that part of me that would sit there and tinker, to, you know, like when I've, I've done stuff on tape, like recorded stuff. And I'm on, oh, let's do it again. Let's do it. There. You know, like you can't do that with a live broadcast. Right. So, so I, I think it's good. I think it's good therapy for me to just sort of accept mistakes. I'm not, I shouldn't say accept, but just, you know, deal with mistakes and move on. I like when I make a bad mistake on a broadcast, I, I hate it. Um, but you know, you, you just got to move on. And, you know, people at home that, you know, that slam you on Twitter or, you know, make you a YouTube sensation. That's part of it, right? Like you just, you live in mortal fear of being the guy that got, got viewed 3 million times on YouTube for, you know, making some horrible, like, I, I would say this, I did baseball for a while. I learned the hard way not to say hot shot hit foul. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, I also learned the hard way on a junior hockey broadcast, not to try to say flip the puck up quickly. So, mm. uh, that, that didn't go nearly as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a game that stands out to you in your entire career that you did the play by play on that would be the most exciting or the one that just is above everything else? No, I mean, there's been so many. Um, you know, the one that people talk about the most all these years later is the Eberly game in the, in the World Junior in Ottawa in 09. That's the one that, you know, people talk about the most for a lot of reasons. Um, I get asked, though, did you did you 
sort of plan that in advance. I'm like, yeah, I sat in my hotel room that morning. I thought, what if Everly ties the game with five seconds to go and the goalie out? What would I say there? <laughs> so, I, you know, but no, I don't script things. I just, you just try to be in the moment. I think when you script it, it sounds scripted. Um, you know, so I just try to go with the moment. I mean, that, that's the one that people talk about the most. I've been asked to do commercials and say that, and I don't do that. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just been so many that um, I, I think, you know, one that stands out was calling uh, Ray Ferraro's son, Landon. Uh, playing for Boston. Ray was between the benches and interviewed him. And, and it was funny because um, he scored a goal uh, and Kevin Miller passed him the puck. So I got to say, Miller to Ferraro scores. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 to be, and to be very clear, it would never be Ferraro to Miller scores. That, that, that would never, ever happen. <laughs> that would never, ever happen. So, uh, and, and the other one was funny was that when Yanni Gord was playing in Tampa with JT Miller and I'd say Gord Miller. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I mean, we've had so much fun, like I, over the years that just like, you know, Mike Johnson, who I work with now is great. And, and so is Ray. And, and, and Ray is, so, we did. So speaking of names, there was a guy played for Hungary. So hung, at the world championship, Hungary was in. So the guy's last name was S T I P. S C H I T Z. So S T I P S C H I T Z. So I go to the so I go to the I go Stipschitz. Yes, <laughs> ben, his name is Bense Stipschitz. So I go <laughs> so I go to the team manager. I'm like, I'm like Steep Sheets? No, no, Stipschitz. Sheets? No, Stipschitz. I'm like, oh. So now, so now Ray is who is like a ten year old. <laughs> is dying laughing every time I say it, and he's their best defenseman. He's got the oh. puck all the time. Like when they, so now he's now he's dying laughing every time I say it. So I got to look away from him because he's giggling. And now he writes me a note and says, "I'll give you fifty bucks if you say snip shits dumps it in the corner." <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm dying on the air, like I can't keep it together. So. Yeah, but uh, to answer your original question, Alan, um, no, I, I think that I, I think what I like about it is every game is kind of its own unique. You know, you, you don't know what's going to happen, and that, that's it's always it's always fresh. I like the World Junior because it's a different cast every year. It's mostly you know new players, um, so it's 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 something different every game. Like you literally, you can go in and prepare, prepare, prepare. And, you know, think, okay, like, you know, they got a good power play, so you got a bunch of power play stats. I remember doing a Jays game once, and they were playing Tampa, and the, the pitcher for Tampa had been, he had, like, the worst ERA in the American League, and he he hadn't lasted more than five innings in a start all year, and he had all these horrible stats. So I had all this stuff on how terrible he was. He was Tom Seaver that day. He pitched a two-hit shutout, and I had nothing for that. <laughs> like, I had, I, I had nothing that, on him being good. I mean, well, this is unusual since he, you know, <laughs> he lasted two innings in his last last outing. So that's what I like about it. It's just, you know, people say, "What's my favorite game?" I would say the next one. Right, right. Well, well, we uh, together have experienced a lot of uh, World Juniors uh, all mm -hmm. over the world, and over the course of the years, developed uh, a really nice tradition of going out for dinner one night together wherever we were. So 
I think the first one may have been uh, Finland, and then yeah. and then Sweden, and um, and uh, Vancouver, uh, it, and just some wonderful dinners mid tournament, being and, able to get a, together. A large group of people. So I, I kind of uh, it's, it's so January third is always an off day at the World Junior. It's the day between the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Right. And so I usually have like we've had as many as twenty five people at that dinner. Um, you know, all kinds of people. And so, um, and certainly, you know, Alan, of, of all the agents uh, on the list of all the agents that I know, you're certainly on it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Adam, don't ask him where I rank on that list. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, we've had, like, we've had all kinds, like we've had, you know, really, we had, we had one in Prague one night that was, you know, like a, uh, a defense attorney, uh, we've yeah. had politicians at it. We've had all kinds of different people that are around. And I think that's one of the best things about my job is, is sort of the different people you meet from different walks of life and, uh, the places you go and the experiences you have. And I think that's a really, you know, I just finished with this Ukrainian tour that we were talking about earlier or referred to earlier. And, uh, you know, I, those are people that I've met over the years that become friends. And I think that's, the community of hockey is my favorite part of it. There's things I don't like, but that's one of the things I like the best about it. That's a great segue into a project you've been heavily involved in uh, for the last while. Why don't you tell us about the Ukrainian hockey team coming over to Canada and some of the things you you did to make it happen and logistical nightmares you encountered along the way? Well, I, a lot of people did a lot of work on it. I should make that clear. What happened was in December of 2021, members of the Ukrainian Ice Hockey Federation came to Canada kind of on a fact-finding mission. They wanted to learn about uh, minor hockey development, skill development, coaching. So I put them in touch with a bunch of people from like the Ontario Junior A League, uh, minor hockey, Manitoba, you know, Hockey Manitoba and others because they visited Manitoba. Obviously, the war changed the dynamic for them a lot. So they had been, they had been uh, invited to play in the World University Winter Games, which are coming up this week, actually, in Lake Placid, New York. During the world during the world junior in the summer in Edmonton, I was talking to a member of the Ukrainian Ice Hockey Federation. I knew it. They said that they wouldn't be able to go. Couldn't get the team together. How would they practice? Who would they they they, they need some exhibition games? And I was talking to Jay Woodcroft, the coach of the Oilers, was in the room with Brad Hall and the assistant GM, and they came over and we were talking about. It. I said, "What if, what if they played some exhibition games here? Like what if they played American League teams?" Yeah. And then Jay was like, "What about Colleen Herbert?" our old assistant coach from the University of Alberta. He's the head coach there. So I knew Ian and called him. And he said, well, we're having a conference call with the Canada West head coaches in two weeks. Why don't you come on that Zoom call? So I came on. I said, what would you guys think about playing this team? And they're like, great, we'll do it. And I'm kind of like, oh, so I guess we're doing this. And we drew up a schedule and kind of, you know, it's hard to make it work. We, we drew up a schedule and agreed to it on that day. So I called the Ukrainians and I said, hey, guys, like, we've got this tour assembled. And they're like, fine, but we can't afford to play in it. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can't get out of it. A, we're having a hard time getting out of here and, and B, we can't afford it. So then I called some friends in the corporate community who have been to some of our world junior dinners. Alan's met them. And, um, and so Tim Hortons, Sobeys, Bell, uh, Sporting Life, Ticketmaster all signed up as, as corporate partners. So we had the money to bring them over. And then it really kind of snowballed from there. Like, honest to God, like I'd wake up in the morning to 50 emails, most of which were, how can we help you? Wow. So the Oilers, Flames, and Jets 
uh, hosted them at three games. Uh, they had a 50-50 night for us. Each time we partnered with the Canada-Ukraine Foundation, which does a lot of humanitarian work um, in Ukraine. Um, so all this came together. So we've got, you know, uh, Fanatics made merchandise for us. And, you know, I, I, I know nothing about organizing tours. So I called like a team, a team services guy in the NHL I know, put me in touch with the guy that does all the buses for NHL teams. There's one guy in like Springfield, Illinois, does all the buses for the NBA and NHL teams. Like everyone just calls this guy, need a bus to pick us up at the airport, and he does it. So he did this for us and, and, and hotels, the Marriott hotels was unbelievable. And so I'm learning all this stuff and I'm learning about merchandise. I don't know nothing about how it works. So I had a crash course now to how much merchandise should we order and all this stuff. So then the, the event's coming up. Well, then the power went out in Kiev for like eight days because of the, the relentless Russian shelling of the power stations. So the team was supposed to take the train up to Warsaw, but the trains weren't running because of the, the power being out. And then the power came back on great. And then the rail part of the, the train uh, tracks got destroyed by a missile. So now we got to get a bus to get them from Kiev to Warsaw. So bus companies aren't exactly lining up to send their drivers into, into Ukraine these days, mm-hmm. but we managed to get a bus to take them up to, to, to Warsaw. They flew to Munich, and then their Air Canada flight was delayed by four and a half hours. And this is don't right mention in the Air Canada. No. Don't <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. I, I just, I just. Go ahead. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I apologize. Yes, I know. So, so now they got like an hour and fifteen minute turnaround to get to Saskatoon, and if their gear doesn't make it, we're done. Like it'll be weeks, but it made it. Now I may have nudged that a little bit. A little bit, not as much as you nudged your text here. <laughs> I, I not as much as you did, and certainly not as publicly as you did. So the team got. So the I team don't know got what here. You're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so the, these kids, if you'd said to them in August, not only play in the World University Winter Games, you will be the guests of honor and get standing ovations in three NHL arenas, and then play a game in one in front of like eighty five hundred people. So we sold the entire lower bowl last night in uh, in uh, Winnipeg, and we, so the the deal was so. Sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit. The Jets heard what we were doing, and Mark Chipman called me, and Mark said, "How can we help?" And I said, "Well, you know, if you can promote it, whatever." He said, "Well, how about our building?" And we'd looked at using NHL buildings, but it's too expensive to open. Mm. And I said, "Mark, we can't afford to rent your buildings. So we'll give you the building, just cover the cost of the staff." So we agreed that we'd only sell the lower bowl for staffing purposes. You can use a lot less staff. Mm-hmm. So, so we sold the lower bowl and um, it, it was just incredible. Like the, the first game in Saskatoon, you know, they had no NHL support. They don't have a team there, but it was sold out. The merchandise sold right away. Incredible crowd. Um, then they bust down to Calgary and uh, a private donor said, I want to help out. What can I do? And I said, well, they got the day off today. I could send them to Lake Louise. Would you pay for that bus? So, yeah. So he paid for that. Um, you know, uh, Calgary and Edmonton did a great job. And then they went on to to Winnipeg. And just the scene last night was just incredible. I I, I was on the ice for the ceremonial puck drop. And it was Hoosley, the famous Ukrainian choir in, in Winnipeg, sang the anthem. And it was just like I, I chills. It was unbelievable. So they left today for the World University Games. And, um, it, you know, Things aren't good in Ukraine. I'm not going to lie to you. Like you know, the, 
the, the narrative here of the plucky underdog, you know, is great, but the, the truth is they're suffering really bad. And so we did a little thing, just, just a little thing to hopefully, you know, make their lives better. We were able to get the signal back to Ukraine so they could televise the games there. Wow. And, and so, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was, a, you know, I talked earlier about the community of hockey. This was an example of the Canada West coaches, the athletic directors, like all of a sudden they're hearing, we're doing what? Because <laughs> I, I kind of went backwards. I talked to the coaches first, and then the coaches talked to the athletic directors, which is kind of not how you do it. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I'm sorry, we're hosting who, what, when? <laughs> and, and, and they were all, yeah, we're doing it. So it was just a great, it was a great community. And, uh, and I really, uh, it was a lot of work by a lot of people. And I'll never do it again, but um, it was uh, it was quite something. Do you have a chance to sit and talk to the players and uh, yeah. and the staff about what's going on in uh, Ukraine right now and what they're experiencing day to day? Yeah, and it's you know it's not good, and and I think we always say how are you, you know, and and I think that that's a loaded question for them because the answer is not good, right? You know, the trauma of enduring this for almost a year now of, of air raid sirens. We, we'd be on zoom calls planning this thing. And all of a sudden the air raid sirens would go off, you know, and you missiles are landing nearby and, 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 you know, people they know are being killed and um, they have loved ones in the military. And, and some of these young players were in the military and got waivers to, to be released for this tournament. Zelensky thinks it's really important that Ukrainians, don't disappear from the international stage. So a, a Ukrainian won the Univision song contest or the Eurovision mm -hmm. right, song contest. Um, you know, he wants their soccer teams playing internationally. He wants the, the hockey teams playing internationally. Their national men's team just beat Italy in an exhibition game. Italy coached by Mike Keenan. Um, and, and wow. so, uh, yeah. So, um, their, their coach is quite proud because they, they also beat Hungary coached by Kevin Constantine. So they just beat two NHL coaches. Um, wow. but, but, um, it's not good there and, um, and they need our help badly. You know, they need, they, they, they need a lot of help badly. And, and obviously the military end of it is, is being handled by governments, but in terms of fresh water, in terms of medicine, uh, bandages, supplies, they are running short of that and they need, they need our help. So we raised a lot of money, but I think also we raised a lot of awareness, which is important too. Right. Right. Just tremendous. Just mm -hmm. tremendous. And how long are they going to be over the, over here now before they go back? So I think the university games are like, a, I think the opening ceremony is tomorrow. And uh, I think they run like 10 days, something like that. So they'll go back. They'll go back like at the end of January. So they'll have been gone for about a month. So once they get to Lake Placid, the organizers there cover, you know, lodging and food and everything else. But we were on the hook for it um, for, uh, for the trip here. And, and I mean, you know, I was learning about how much it costs to like, you know, I mean, you, you know, when you go to a hotel and they have those, you know, like the team meal or whatever, and you know, walk by that and sometimes they eat at it, whatever, you know, you think about it. I know how much that costs now. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so like, I'm going through like, okay, no, no, they don't need the sausages. They don't need that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, just, we'll just have bacon. We'll just, scrambled eggs and bacon is fine. Not too much toast. Not too much toast. <laughs> so, so I mean, because you're, you know, and Tim Hortons was great because they, 
in addition to giving us a financial commitment, they also gave us gift cards to give away games and gift cards to give to the players. No, so great. they took the they took the bus from Edmonton to, to uh, Winnipeg, which is a long ride. They stopped at the famous Vegreville uh, Easter egg. Have you guys heard of that? Vegreville, Alberta has the largest Easter egg in the world. It's this big sculpture. like It's a <laughs> giant. So they stopped there for a picture. Then they stopped in Saskatoon, and the local Tim Hortons franchise owner had everything ready for them when they got there. Like it was just when they got to Winnipeg, the uh, Ukrainian community there had box uh, dinners for them uh, to take to their rooms because it was Ukrainian Christmas. Wow, oh, that's right. So, wow. so uh, yeah, it was really neat. Like it was just just really neat, thoughtful uh, stuff going on. And uh, so yeah, so they go home at end of January, and then they're right back into that life, and and that life is not great. Right. Wow. You know, it's it uh, it's going to give them that little bit of um, I don't know what to say about that. It it just feels like it's 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 got to be such an uh, an awesome sort of departure for them to, to be able to just focus on hockey and 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 do just do that for a while, like you know, yeah. kids in our in our country get to do and don't even have to think about it. You right, know, just and that's, that, I, they love hockey, Adam. That's 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 kind of what they do, and. Um, I think the other thing is one of the things that we're working on is a, is a foundation called SaveUkrainianHockeyDream.org, and and that's working on restoring and, and keeping arenas going. So they're, what they're doing in Kiev and some other cities is keeping the arenas open all day so that children can skate there. Wow! Just go, just go skate. You know, just get away from all the all the bleakness and and you know, and just go out and have a have a skate. And that's you know, with all the power outages and water shortage everything else it's hard to keep the arenas going and right. so um yeah i think that it is but one of the best lines i heard through this whole thing was a guy from fanatics who, who make the merchandise so i called them we didn't actually finalize the tour until late november like it didn't seem like it was going to be possible but we finally finalized it in late november so i called my friend at fanatics and i said you know could you guys do some merch and now remember this is what all the shipping problems are going on like, like distribution lines are all messy and he says, yeah, we can do it. He said, we'll have it ready in like 15 days. We can get it shipped to you. I said, wow, that's amazing. He said, we do difficult things right away, Gord. The impossible takes a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was amazing. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think that I can't believe it happened, to be, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I can't. I, I sat there last night looking around at that building and thinking, I can't believe this happened. And I can't believe all the things that a whole bunch of people had to do to make it happen. Right. You know, so, it, you know, there was, there was stuff like, you know, I, I, the hotels, right? Like we're, we're, we're literally like scrambling because we've got to make the budget work. Mm -hmm. The sponsor's money has to cover the expenses so that all the other money can go to the charities. Because otherwise you get into a whole accounting nightmare because money designated for charities can't be used for expenses. Right. So I got to try to keep the hotel expenses down. So I got the the, the Delta Hotel in Edmonton, where I had my high school grad. <laughs> <laughs> and the, so and the Delta Hotel in Winnipeg both did deals for us. But then the Oilers asked for the team to be there for their game on January the fifth, and that was the day I booked them to to bus from Edmonton to Winnipeg. So now I got to call the bus guy, <laughs> who like who probably is like who is this guy and why is and then I got to call the two hotels. Yeah, sorry, I need an extra night at your hotel and one last night at yours. Uh, that's in two days. So 
but everyone like I, I I'm sure I was like the most hated person in Canada by some people with, with all these changes and but yeah I was <laughs> there's a lot of twists and turns along uh, the way I think you were second to me <laughs> oh yeah no 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 no, que- no question as, as I've often said about you Alan and to you and I say this to your face that your job is n- is not to be popular, and you do a very good job of it. <laughs> it's it's funny though, Gord. The people who get it, and the people oh. who don't, yeah, uh, you know, because like we sit there and we're like, yeah, we get it, right? But there's so many yeah. people out there that just don't understand what my job is, and and whether I, with all sensitivities to other people who maybe going through tough times or canceled flights or stranded at airports. I'm truly sympathetic to that. I don't revel in that at all, but I don't represent them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I represent a client who is about to, you know, step on the ice and play hockey in a game against Canada. And yeah, in the grand scheme of things is not having your gear and not having your skates the same as uh, a poor family stranded in an airport that you know has been locked up with a pandemic for years and first time they're going to get together and they miss christmas together because canceled flights snowstorm this that um i i'm very sorry but my right. job my job is to get the gear back yeah mm-hmm. and, to, and to be clear it's not like someone else didn't get their luggage because you're a checked in right right exactly like, like it's not like you're a queue jumping in a hospital or, or something like that like you, um but i i would say that you know i have a friend who's a defense attorney in uh, in vancouver and so he represents obviously his clients are mostly you know really bad people you know not many good people need defense lawyers very often. right uh, but right. but you know most of your clients are criminals yeah right <laughs> by definition and, and most of them get convicted and, and so job you know when he does his job well the system works because mm-hmm. innocent people don't get convicted right. that's the whole idea but but people don't you know alan you were a prosecutor everyone loves the prosecutors right you're you're putting bad guys in jail but but for the system to work there has to be someone on the other side who is equally zealous and i, I would say that you know in the agent business i don't agree with everything you do i, I we, we don't always we don't always agree um but your job is to zealously defend to represent your client's interests and and you do that so you know uh but i think that it's a misunderstanding of of what your job is your job is not to make a team better your job is to get your job is to get the best deal for your client or to be liked or to be popular or to care about it right and so the fact that the nhl has artificial salary restraints is not your fault right and it's not your client's fault. So, you know, I, I think that, and also conversely, I think that you have, you and others have acted sometimes in the best interest of your client in saying, no, you shouldn't play in the NHL right away. Mm-hmm. You know, and to say, because there are some who just want to get their guy into the league because once he starts making that entry level contract, A, they, they get paid more and B, they're, you know, they're getting closer to the next contract. But we've seen year after year and time after time, young players get chewed up playing in the NHL too soon. Yep. And so so representing representing a client has another side to it, which can be A, saying, you know, you're not ready for this, or B, telling them an uncomfortable truth, hmm. which, which, is, which is 
you're not playing very well, or you're out of shape, or you've got a bad attitude, right? And and that's that's what some agents aren't willing to do. Totally agree. Yeah, and it's and that's that's a hard part of the job. I think there's you know there's a lot of hand holding and there's a lot of stuff that you know is you know recruiting thirteen or fourteen year old clients and and things like that is is gross. Um, and I think you know doing uh, sort of quid pro quos, you know, say okay, you gave my star client a big contract, so now my little guy will just will shuffle him to the side. Well, every client deserves to be represented just like, and I've said this for years about discipline, pretend every victim of a bad hit in the NHL is Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Well, what would you do then? Every player is entitled to protection from player safety. Not in this every- NHL, not in this NHL. I think, yeah, I think they, it's unfortunate they, because they don't, they don't do that. And I think mm-hmm. that, what I see in the IHF that I like is that they they protect all players equally. And you may not like the standard, but especially with young players, they recognize that these guys may have long careers ahead of them. So knee-on-knee stuff, headshots, hits from behind, they police it pretty hard. And, and a lot of those hits have been taken out of their game. And I don't yeah. think to the detriment of the sport. I, I think there's still lots of hitting in international hockey. But um, – you know, I, I think that it's, it's important that players get treated. All players aren't the same. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying there should be a quality of, of outcome, but there should be a quality of opportunity. Mm-hmm. But Gord, the just completed World Juniors is a perfect example. It was some of the most exciting games we've seen in a long time, Slovakia, Canada, Czech, Canada. Those are great, great hockey games, and they were able to do it. And there is body checking. There is a certain element of physicality to the game, but without incidental or direct blows to the head, because everyone knows those are going to be penalized. And I, for the life of me, when the whole way that we can reduce players experiencing long-term cognitive issues, neurological issues after hockey is reducing the accumulation of blows to the head during their career. Reduce, reduce, reduce. Why the NHL won't take a serious look at that. So, you can't say you're serious about about protecting players' heads when you tacitly allow them to punch each other in the face. When mm. you re- when you reward it, so now not not as much anymore, but there are players who are paid specifically for the most part to punch other players in the face, and and by and by extension to get punched in the face. Um, so so there's that hypocrisy on the part of the NHL as well. They're, I think they're terrified of losing of losing the hardcore fan who likes seeing fights. But the fact is, if the NHL is, is selling fighting, they're doing a really bad job of it. Because Horrible. 80% of, of games are fight-free. Right. So so if that's what you're selling, you know, 
they're selling it like once every five games. So it's it's funny, like the the league's relation. Like you talk about the junior, you know, the world junior. So we had four and a half million people watch the gold medal game. You know, the, the medal round average, I think, like three and a half million or three million, something like that. It's crazy. Like, like so, so these guys, we are basically presenting a gift to the NHL. Here's these players that people didn't know before the tournament very well. Right. Right. Here they are. And and now they are household names and they're coming to your league. Gunther is now going to come and play in NHL rinks in Canada, especially and go do a, Hey, that's the guy that scored the, so what did they do? They scheduled four Canadian teams up against the gold medal game to play at home <laughs> on January 5th. Right. They do and it. It's, they and do it's it, not they like do you don't every, know when those games are going to be played. <laughs> the gold medal games on January 5th, every year, they do every, it every time. Every year. And, and we squash it. The, the funny part is we crush them. So the teams don't like it. Like, how do you think the lead sponsor of a Canadian team's broadcast feels when they're up against this colossus on the other channel? Like, it's like, it, it is literally like putting it up against the Academy Awards. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so, so it, it's a funny, I, I can't get a handle on it. Like the, the NHL doesn't like international hockey unless they control it. They don't like the Olympics. They don't like the World Junior. They don't like the World Championship. They they want to have a World Cup that they control. Right. So yeah, I don't even it, think they want a World Cup that badly, or there'd no. be more than what we more there would be more well, World Cups than what we've had since uh, 2012. They they can't figure out a way to monetize it, right? Because I remember when they announced. I remember oh the World Cup. So the 2016 World Cup, they had a big press conference in Toronto. They brought like, you know, Patrick Kane and all these guys. And, and Henrik Lundqvist was there. And he's, you know, they're, they're sitting on the stage and, and, and Gary Bettman's there and everything else. And and, and someone asked Lundqvist, like, could this be as big as the Olympics? He's like, no, <laughs> not even close. And you can just see the NHL guys going, oh. but they're, it's true. He's right. So, 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 so. Now, soccer, to be fair to Gary Bettman, I think Gary Bettman does a lot of good things, by the way. And I, and I you know, I, I, I disagree with him sometimes, but I, I think he does, he's a great, he's a really good businessman. Um, as long as the NHL players in the Olympics, the World Cup is, is, is going to be a second rate looking thing. Soccer doesn't let their best guys play in the Olympics. They make it under 23 to protect the integrity, FIFA protects the integrity of their World Cup. Right, mm-hmm. so because that's the, that's their big one. The problem the NHL has is FIFA controls soccer. The NHL and the IHF have at best a distant relationship. Yes, the yes. NHL would never allow the IHF to stage a World Cup. Right, but Gord, how many star players of this now generation in the NHL have never since their World Juniors? Worn the jersey of their country in a best-on-best best tournament. How many? Oh, we're, we're looking at well, the last World Cup was seven years ago, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and and you had Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews playing for that team North America. And I remember saying, like, what would happen if Austin Matthews scored an overtime winner against the United States, or Connor McDavid scored an overtime goal against Canada? How are they supposed to feel? Mm-hmm. Like it, it was just, it was just bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or but, some of Europe. It was just it was like European yeah. team, European team, and then yeah. Team Europe. Team Europe, because we don't we don't want a bunch of guys from the Swiss League playing in a tournament. We want as many NHL players as possible. Correct. Right. So, so yeah, it, it, it is too bad. And I would say this, and my friend Simon Semberg, who, who like Alan, um, takes a lot of unpopular positions, and I think does it on purpose. But but Simon's a very thoughtful guy. He used to work for the IHF, and he's now with the European Club Hockey Alliance, a, rep- a group of European club teams that have banded together. He makes the point that if Lionel Messi walked down any street in North America, he would be mobbed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. If Mbappe, if Messi, if Ronaldo... If those guys walked down the streets of Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, wherever, they'd be mobbed. Mobbed. I would venture to say that Connor McDavid could walk down the streets of New York or L.A. pretty much un- unhindered. Unrecognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I can tell you this. Like, Gretzky lives in Florida. And people like pick up that drop name. Um, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I've been out with him. And. I just did it again. And, uh, <laughs> and he he he's, he gets pretty much left alone. People don't. But but they've done such a poor job of exposing their top stars on the international stage. Really, like, and so my argument with the Olympics is, and I and I get what the owners say. I can't say to you on your you know, profit and loss sheet, what line you get from going to the Olympics. Like, I can't say you'll make this much money from going to the Olympics. But the biggest corporations in the world spend billions of dollars to be associated with it. There's got to be some value. Like, there, there is. Now, they don't like the fact you can't use the TV highlights. You can't get access, to, you know, to the players. They can't, they don't get any the money. I get it. But what we do at the world junior and i say that i mean you know telling these players stories and exposing them like that i mean connor bedard was a great player before he got to the world junior right but he is supernova now because of the world juniors yeah yeah now do we do well, we the stage matters right the right. stage matters do we, do we hype guys too much maybe but the fact is if we just didn't put it, if we just signed on into an opening and just did the game, Connor McDavid would still be a gigantic story, and mm-hmm. and and he's on that stage against his peers. I mean, we we'd love to see it, and I, I think it's it's a tragic missed opportunity for hockey that this hasn't happened more often. And I think they'll go to Milan in twenty twenty six, but a lot of NHL owners don't want to go. Yep. Wow. Well, yeah. but, but you know what? I can make the business case for not going. Season, the NBA would the, the NBA made it clear because they're trying to make the su- Summer Olympics smaller. The Summer Olympics are out of control. There's too many athletes. So they, they talk about moving basketball to the winter, and the NBA was like, not a chance. Mm. Never going to happen in our midseason. Yeah, but what did the dream team in the, in the NBA uh, going to the Olympics when the best players started going, what did that do? For the NBA's long-term business, huge. It was great, but it was in the off season. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was in the summer. It was in their off season. So I think you you got to take that into account. And also think about a market like Dallas. Okay, so let's just use Dallas for an example. So the Texas Rangers aren't playing. 
the, the Cowboys, you know, they're going to be done. What? Well, whenever they're done. Yeah. Um, but they'll be done within a few weeks anyway. So mm-hmm. that February, March, where their only competition is the Mavericks, is a prime selling season for them. And every four years, they're going to shut down for three weeks in the middle of it. I think they should shut down every year for three weeks. Okay. One year World Cup, one year Ryder Cup, one year Olympics. There should be a annual best on best in that window of time. Get rid of the all-star game, get rid of the all-star break, and just do those three weeks. You shut down, and everyone knows there's going to be two halves to the season. We're going to play half a season. We're going to have our best on best, and then we're going to finish the second half of the season. Okay, but some some owners would tell you that would be like a clothing store shutting down for the three weeks for Christmas. If they it's had, their, it's their prime if, selling time. Like you, you don't lose. Now, my my point about that is you don't lose games. Like right. you still play the, you still play 82. You're not losing but- games, you're not losing revenue and you're create I mean when we now look Gord, back over the last 30 years of hockey, 40 years of hockey, 50 years of hockey, started in 72 with the Summit Series, yeah. Paul Henderson 34 seconds, 76 Canada Cup, yeah. um the 87 Canada Cup, well, the eight, Golden well, the Bowl. The Golden Canada Cup's in eighty one, eighty four, eighty seven, ninety one. Right, right, right. So and and but there's so many memorable moments that are etched in lore, Canadian yeah. hockey lore, world hockey lore. You know, for 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 to to not do it, to not have the opportunity really since since. 2016 but really 2012 to have this kind of best on best is just a huge missed opportunity years are going by you're never going to get them back yeah and i agree with you i I guess what i'm saying is uh, you know i'm looking at it from both perspectives and i and i think that from an owner's perspective you know it's really interesting if the nhl season was shortened to 60 games the Stanley cup final wouldn't end in may the season would start in November. Mm. NHL right. owners don't like playing in October, November, and World, especially in the World States. Series, World Series, and and foot and football, and football. You know, college football, the NFL. It's it's just it's a lot of competition for the for the sports dollar. So they view that February period, February March, as their prime time. Mm. That's when they can sell without a lot of competition. And and again. I think they'd be all for a big World Cup if they could keep the money. You know, mm. I think what what each team got like seven hundred fifty grand last time for the World Cup, like that. Right, the players so, ended like up, seven, players ended up with around. I think if they played in the tournament, they got twenty thousand, and if they didn't play in the tournament, every player in the league got seventy five hundred. Got seventy five hundred. Mm. So, so, but you're, but you got to build the thing, right? You got to, and, and you, and I think you got to work with federations and the IHF to make it happen. But the NHL is not really that collaborative on that stuff. They don't like to collaborate, and they don't like other people with their hands in their pockets. And that's, it's a really interesting, you know, difference in Canada and Europe. And a friend of mine uh, was involved with the ownership of Inter Milan, the soccer team, and they were part of that failed attempt 
to make to build that super league right which right. they basically they, they smashed the champagne bottle on it and then watched it sink as soon as they launched it, just, it went right beneath, it just went right down when they, to and, the bottom and, of the ocean yeah it's like what happened there why did that work but mm. but the funny thing about it is they're trying to create north american style closed league right so when you when you own a team you own your team and one thirty second of the NHL because mm-hmm. all that money stays in house, right? Whereas in England, it's the football association. So the TV money goes to the football association, and they give some of it to the Premier League teams, most of it, obviously. But it runs their it runs their other leagues, it runs their kids programs, or women's programs, all this other stuff. The NHL, it's a closed league, centralized revenue, mm. right? And and so that's the way they like it. So so collaborating is not something they want to do right. because they don't want to, they, they want to, they want to own the product outright. Right. And it's, and it's incredibly short sighted. So, so I believe they'd be making more, there, there'd be more revenue and yeah. the owners that are saying that would be making more money down the road. Their franchises would be worth more money down the road. If they allowed their players to truly become international superstars and that's one of the roads to get there okay but but look at it you know around the corner from me is a great italian deli in toronto la sala maria great spot it's got a terrible old sign over it it's got a beat up storefront the linoleum's old like it but it's a great spot so i say to the guy carlo like why don't you renovate you know he's because he's got to close his store for a couple of months. It's going to cost him half a million bucks. Is he going to sell more cheese? What if he doesn't? What if he, what if he doesn't? So, so just, but I, the point is, Alan, yeah, I can say to an owner, if you, if you guys start going to the Olympics every four years and you have a world cup, you know, in the, in the two year window in between them, and you go, you're going to make more money in 10 years. You'd be like, Maybe. Or we can just mm. keep doing what we're doing and making lots of money now. <laughs> well, that's you know key. what I mean. That's so so trying to convince them that being associated with the Olympic Games is in their long term interest, even though they get none of the revenue. And and be, let's, let's be clear: the IOC is never opening that door. No, because as soon, as soon as you do that, I did I did track and field in London in 2012. Usain Bolt put 108 thousand people in that Olympic Stadium six times. Right. Like what what would he command? Right. What would the tennis what would the tennis players command? What would the golfers, the swimmers, the it, it would be an endless But they but the NHL already has their hard cap, triple cap, so no player could ever make more than twenty percent. And uh, that's what time not... is it? What, what time is it? I, just want, to, I, want, to, I want to see what how, what was it, what was what was the over under and Allen getting into the we we're over sixty minutes you, somehow. Uh, <laughs> Gord, Gord, you brought it up. You went there. Fault. You opened it's the my door. Fault. You think it's you're going to open the door, and I'm not going to slam oh. right through it. Come on, oh my god, come on. You know me well enough to know. The next bet is whether or not he'll tweet about it today. <laughs> so 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 they do have all that that cost certainty that they wanted, right? They, they, so they do have that. Um, and they like to control things. Well, that's, that's the what, ultimate control. That's, that's because what comes down. Franchise, franchise values have exploded 
beyond yeah. anybody's imagination and salaries have have, fl- have been flat for four years. What more could these guys ask for? Well, I think players need better agents. <laughs> <laughs> the agent community is doing a lousy job of representing their clients. Yeah, Alan, work harder, will you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I got to say, Alan, it's kind of fun having somebody give you a little, give you the gears a little bit, pal. I love, I love, why I do you think I love hanging out with Gord so much? We have a lot of laughs. Um, I, I want to tell you, um, uh, you know, before the show, and you know, I'm letting the listener in on this one. Um, you know, Gord came on, and Alan, as he does, always graciously introduces myself and Jesse Blake, who produces the show. And, um, you know, Gord was nice enough to pretend to know who both of us were, uh, which is really kind of him. Uh, but I, Gord, I do have to tell you a story about I, I met you once a long time ago, and you won't remember this. But I've, I've never forgotten it because of how embarrassed I've been about it ever since. Oh, no. And and it, it, it <laughs> so you got to remember. OK, so Toronto kid, Toronto kid. Grew up watching you and Bob and Pierre uh, Pierre Maguire on every intermission show. Back, okay. back. Um, and this is like when du- when Duffy was really young, you know, like a kid. And I I uh, uh, like lived and died by every broadcast about what you know what you guys were going to say about the Leafs. And I was I remember you know you're at that age where you're offended when somebody says something bad about your team. You can't believe it. Um, so I'm at the keg in Scarborough keg is a steakhouse for anybody that's not from Southern Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I'm walking out of the keg, uh, with my mom and I've got to be 10 years old. And, um, I turn around and I see the three of you, uh, just standing outside also leaving. And it's sort of like, we're, we're like leaving at the, you know, the door at the same time. And you know, there's always the double doors, right? The breezeway. So it's always a bit awkward when you're holding doors for people and everything. And I turned around and I said, mom, those are the guys. And she said, and my mom doesn't know anything about sports. She's like, the guys from what? (laughs) And I said, those are the guys from, from TSN. They're the, that's gorgeous. Bob is Pierre. And, and she said, well, why don't you go say hi? And I said, no, I can't, I, I couldn't do that. So then she comes up, she says hi to you and says, my son is a big fan. And you guys said, I think, I think Gord, you held out your hand, to, I believe to shake my hand, uh, which I promptly did. And then um, I think you asked me a question and I was so tongue tied, my mouth went completely dry and I couldn't say anything. So we stood there. <laughs> We stood there for about 30 seconds with you guys staring at me and me staring up back at you guys. And then um, uh, my mom was uh, smart enough to say, OK, well, thank you very much for your time and then leave me away. So it's been one of those things where every time I'm like in the shower and I think about it, it's kind of where you go, ah, you scream. So, you know what I mean? Like, I should have yeah. said something. So a couple of things. That I don't like you thinking about me when you're in the shower. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But but, but, but um, I mean, of course, Alan's got the great Ken Dryden story where his, yes. he got a picture of Ken Dryden and his head's cut off. Yeah. Ken Dryden's head, his father famous was head's cut off. But I've got I one love- with, with, with I Danny Gallagher. I was seven years old oh. and I and I and I ran to Ken Dryden and I wrapped both arms around his leg and I started to cry. Yes. And he looked down at me. He was expecting to meet me. Um, 
it's a long story, but I was, he was expecting to meet me. And he looked down at me sobbing as I was clutching both arms tightly around his leg. And, and he says, Mr. Walsh, I presume. <laughs> and, and with tears rolling down my eyes, I looked up at him and I said, yes. <laughs> and then his father took a picture. And it's Ken Dryden from the neck down, <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny. But 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 mine, mine, Adam is is Danny Gallivan. Okay, I love wow. Danny Gallivan. I worship yeah. Danny Gallivan. He was the best. I never met him. Was I was amazing. at the Hockey News Awards, and I just finished calling the Memorial Cup. So it'd be like ninety three, maybe. Okay, ninety four, ninety four, I think, and. Uh, I'm at the Hockey News Awards talking to people, and I got a tug on my arm, and I turn on it's Danny Gallivan. And it, and he says, Gord, I just want to say, great job, Memorial Cup. Really enjoy listening to your play-by-play. Congratulations. And he sticks his hand out, and I give him the dead fish. <laughs> like, I just, oh. like, I just, just, like, the dead fish. And I go, I go, me too. <laughs> he said, like, which is not, like, what? <laughs> and he says, uh, are you enjoying the evening? What? You said me too. <laughs> and, now, and now I'm completely flustered. And he says, well, he walks away. And that was the only time I ever met him. Oh. <laughs> I was dying. Dying. A Savardian spinorama. Yeah, a Gord a Millerian um, yeah, me, me too. Oh. <laughs> so we've all, Adam. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we got a chance to. You're not sun tied today. I'm glad. You know, I'm glad we finally got to to right that horrible wrong. That was that was. <laughs> That's that keg story stuck with me for years, Gord. You don't know, like it's 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 been eating at me. So it's it, thank you for making the time. And I've right. since met Bob, although I've I'm still too afraid to tell him that story. So I wanted to. You know, I well, wanted as, to get it out there. As we learned in 1998 at, at Christmas dinner, <laughs> as Alan learned the hard way, Bob, Bob does bite sometimes. So you got to be you got to be careful. He was pretty surly that first time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, listen, Gord, we've held you hostage here long enough. Uh, so appreciate your time. You're always very generous with it. Uh, congratulations on all this, all the work you did bringing the Ukrainian hockey team over. It's truly a re- remarkable accomplishment and just so good for these kids to be here and to be playing hockey and to get a little respite for what's going on back home. And so really congratulations on all that and all your efforts and everyone else's efforts in making it happen. And uh, you've always got the best stories. You're uh, a good friend. And uh, thank you. Thank you for coming. This has been Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Follow Alan Walsh on Twitter at Walsh A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching Agent Provocateur and hitting the subscribe button. YouTube.com slash SDPN. 